It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Hi there, it's Alan Mitchell. We're brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. We're just ahead of Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. We tried to get him twice. Uh, Bruce might be sitting on his phone. Maybe the ringer's down. Not sure. Maybe it's matched up with uh, the cat meowing or the dog barking or the sound of the television or he thinks there's a car backing up outside. We're not sure. Low tide, I don't think the goalie coach Schwartz affected Campbell's play. Curious who the uh, goalie coach is in Bakersfield. Well, it's Olivier Rodrigue's dad, Sylvain. And there's been a lot of talk about bringing him out, too. And they may well do that. I just, I, I, I find it like the, the anecdotal evidence is anecdotal, but, and a lot of really smart analytics people are making that point, And I just don't get it. I, I, all I've ever said is that I believe, and I, I will defend this opinion. I believe we just don't have enough evidence either way about Dustin Schwartz. So when we go off half cocked, what we're doing really is, is, uh, muddying the waters and maybe just, you know, sullying the reputation of somebody who, I mean, I've interviewed him a couple of times. He's a very bright guy. Uh, and he had Stuart Skinner, who he spent a lot of time with over many years and as a finalist for the Calder Trophy a year ago. So let's review. Let's make, let's make the case either or and let's agree that a lot of it is anecdotal and that we simply know, don't know because goalie coach is a pretty obscure, vague thing to discuss like we're knowledgeable. Now, I know goaltenders. They stay together, and they have very strong opinion about the group that is called goaltenders, and we're joined by Bruce McCurdy, the cult of hockey of the Edmonton Journal now, who is an old goalie. Uh, McCurdy, are you are you one of those who's ready to, to send uh, Dustin Schwartz to the Lions? Well, you know what, Alan? I'm really mad at City Hall, so I think they should fire the comptroller. <laughs> like, honestly, who knows what, right? <laughs> But what I do know is that uh, Dustin Schwartz is, is very highly regarded within the goalie coach uh, industry, and and uh, uh, Kevin Woodley, uh, a regular contributor to your old station, who's an expert, too expert on goaltending. Uh, he had a very high opinion of uh, of uh, of Dustin, and uh, he knows more about it than I do. So. <laughs> I, I don't see singling him out. I just don't see it. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, we can single out Ken Holland, and he is a former goaltender. Uh, and he signed Jack Campbell to a long contract at large money. Uh, and to say that it hasn't worked out at all would be an understatement. And I do think that Ken Holland can wear that, and we can be critical of it. No, we sure can be. Uh, his um, Campbell's last season in Toronto uh, was... Two halves. In the first half, he was fantastic. He was running a safe percentage north of 9.30 when the calendar turned. And then from January 15th to the end of the season, which was 22 games, he had an 8.86 save percentage. And then in uh, seven playoff games and another seven-game loss by Toronto, uh, he had an 8.97. And now... Edmonton went out and signed him for triple the money for two and a half times the term that he'd gotten in Toronto. And since he's come here, he's run a, wait for it, 886 save percentage. Uh, and, you know, parts of two regular seasons, 41 games. That's a pretty good sample size, or a pretty bad sample size in, in uh, this case. And you kind of wonder, 
um, what was in his resume and why wasn't there any sort of recency bias in terms of against making such a huge commitment to a 30-year-old goalie. And here we are. The here's what I don't like about the position the Oilers are in right now and why I would probably just run with Stuart Skinner and try to iron out the issues. You can chase Bennington, you can chase Allen, you can chase Vladar, who I do like as a goaltender, but none of these guys are guaranteed and none of them have had been able to or had the opportunity to play in front of this porous Oilers defense. And so the world's going to change as soon as you put them in, in Roger's place. Well, I mean, not for Jake Allen. I mean, he his uh, uh, he was back in the spotlight yesterday as a possible target, and then last night he he played uh, part of one period and faced nine shots and let four of them in. Yeah. I thought, well, that's a good replacement right there. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, there's there's no obvious answers and all these pipe dreams. Well, let's just get UC Theros off of uh, Nashville. Well, why am I? Oh, with Nashville be back. <laughs> Uh, there, Jeff Merrick uh, suggested a uh, straight-up deal, Evan Bouchard for Carter Hart. Um, I've, I've given my opinion on that idea. What, what's yours? Yeah, uh, well, I have to be a lot more convinced on Carter Hart than uh, I am at this particular point in his career. Uh, I do think he has been a good goalie. Uh, I also think we've seen some good young goalies that were good for like three years and then sort of fell off the... The pace, like uh, like Matt Murray and uh, the guy out in Anaheim that everybody seems to like, uh, John Gibson, who, you know, were terrific for the opening part of their career and then uh, not so terrific thereafter. And, and my feeling on Hart is he might be in that group, and, and uh, uh, he seems to play well when he plays against the Oilers. And I can't say that I follow the Eastern Conference, especially uh, also Rams like Philly all that closely to to uh, have a real strong opinion on on Carter Hart. Certainly he's a he's a player of interest. So what would you do? Calvin Pickard will be here by game time tomorrow and uh, probably and Stuart Skinner will also be here. How would you how would you divvy up the the starts here over the next say 10 days until maybe Jack Campbell recovers? Well, the immediate temptation would be to put Calvin Pickard right in the net after, you know, Basically, both Campbell and Skinner got blown out in the, in the last most recent two games. Uh, Jay Woodcroft's track record is uh, when he first took over the job as coach, he came in with Mike Smith having started on back-to-back nights and given up four goals in both of them, both losses. And the thought was he should go right away to Stu Skinner, the young goalie that he knew from uh, uh, from Bakersfield, uh, I think Koskinen was on the shelf with COVID at that time, or at least a positive test. And he went with Mike Smith. And he just sort of went, well, let's start with the team that I got and, and see what happens. And Smith rewarded him with a good performance and a win. And it's uh, uh, that suggests to me that he'll just go back to uh, Stu Skinner and let uh, Pickard work his way in. But then you wonder which game are they going to start him. Yeah. I want to ask you a question, and this is sort of a, a feel question, and, and, you know, we give opinions, and this is the, what I'm asking for, but um, Ken Holland signed Jack Campbell, and he did not waive him until, like, this week, and there was plenty of evidence that, that he could have, and there was no worry about claiming. 
Sometimes I think that, that, you know, in fact, I know that general managers get attached to players that they sign and they have a long leash. If, if I suggest that this might be Jeff Jackson and Paul Coffey, you know, putting their thumb on the scale a little bit for Campbell to get waived, is that fair or, or is that possible? Or do you think this was Holland just saying that's enough? Uh, no, I don't think it's unreasonable at all. I think it's pretty clear that Holland is in his last year. And it's equally clear, uh, to me at least, that uh, uh, Holland has borrowed pretty heavily from the future to build a team that is currently 2-8-1 and one in the National Hockey League. Uh, and by borrowing from the future, I mean in a number of ways. I mean, by giving long-term contracts uh, to reduce cap hit season over season AAV on players. And I'm talking about five guys that are currently 30-plus years old that have contracts in excess of $5 million or more uh, that run until at least 2026. And uh, that would be uh, uh, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, and Kane up front, Beckholm on defense, and Campbell on net. I mean, that's a lot of money committed for a long, long time to guys yes. that are already long in the tooth in no. hockey terms. No. He's also a guy who's borrowed... Uh, about to borrow three and a quarter million dollars from next year's salary cap to pay a guy, 30 year old guy for this year. He's also a guy that's traded off future draft picks, uh, in, uh, two future draft picks to, to uh, get rid of Zach Castian's contract, uh, another future draft pick to buy down Matthias Eckholm's salary a little bit. And it's all sort of borrowing from the future. And it concerns me because those uh, those debts are they're they're going to be hard to pay off. Is the banker in you from the past really uncomfortable with all of that? You know, you're borrowing yes. against the future. Yes. Yeah. I... Yes, it's a big it's a big mortgage, and interest interest rates are going up. Right. So you probably wouldn't approve all of this. You you'd send it back and say maybe restructure. Well, yeah, I'm I'm thinking that the. Uh, uh, the, the Holland era is uh, um, it has itself reached its best before date, yeah, and maybe has quite some time ago. And I'm, you know, if the idea was to go all in on this year, well, uh, I'm pretty unsettled with a two eight and one record with twenty nine goals, four and forty seven against. I believe it was Reed Wilkins, and I apologize if that's incorrect, who had mentioned the, the name Jordan Bennington. Uh, who's 30 years old and he has a 919 save percentage. I don't like chasing goalies in the middle of the year because I think he could come here and not do well at all. And everybody can say, well, it's the goalies are goalies and they're interchangeable. Really, they're not. Nobody, you know, Bennington's never played in front of this defense. Uh, he is a guy who has uh, been inconsistent, but he won a Stanley and that means a lot to people. What's your thought if you were doing a pecking order of possibles, including Ladar and Hart and Bennington and Allen, where would Bennington rank for you, Bruce? Well, since the Oilers couldn't afford to pay uh, Nick Bugstad and Clem Costin this summer, they do need an enforcer. So uh, Bennington might actually be <laughs> the answer there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I actually like, you know, one of your old guys, James Reimer. Hello! Who's, what, 34 or 35? He's part of a three-goalie system in Holland's old team, Detroit, and his buddy Steve Eisenman. But here's the thing. He's got one year left on his deal at like $1.4 million. You don't have to pay the guy five times five to yeah. bring him in here. Uh, you know, you can rent to try and deal with the uh, 
with the issue. And you know what? They can actually even afford the guy. You know, they, they with, with Campbell and the miners, and with a little bit of cap space they had already, I, uh, my understanding is they could just squeeze him in under the cap limit without doing anything else. Well, and they and could, Eiserman, they could trade for that guy. Yeah, Eiserman will only ask for the first or Bouchard or something like that, right? Like it won't be a... well, probably the probably probably. I'm thinking they could get him for seconds, but yeah. Wait did, a minute, do we have it? Did, yeah, did, we did, traded the third and fourth <laughs> next year, but not the second. There you go. There you go. Uh, I, I know you heard the, the Rob Vanstone talking about his book, and I, I'm pretty excited about it because I love that era of hockey, and, mm-hmm. and goaltenders are fascinating, and that was a fascinating, I'm thinking, 60s oh, era, but yes. 60s, 70s, and, and before then, brave face. Any any thoughts mm-hmm. on Vanstone, our conversation, and the book? And, and I'm sure, it con- because you're older than me, by quite a bit, let's be honest. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you would have more memories of the maskless era in the uh, era in the National Hockey League? Oh, I very much do. Very, very much do. Yeah, I started watching the game in uh, uh, the 62-63 uh, season and was about 50-50 at that time. Uh, uh, Johnny Bauer was unmasked, as was uh, uh, Glenn Hall, as was Gump Worsley. And on the other side, Terry Sawchuk, who just put one on like the year before, and they had, of course, Jacques Plante, who had been the, the pioneer in that department. And, oh, yeah, Eddie Johnson, he was barefaced. So, really, it was two of the six that were, were wearing masks at that time. And it was fascinating to watch the guys with the masks. And it was even more fascinating to watch the guys without. I mean, Glenn Hall, the facial expressions that he used to wear when he was doing his acrobatics in net were uh, were something to see it reminded me of a you know a, a maestro playing his instrument you know he's not playing it with his face but you can watch his face while he's playing it and and you're getting some of the some of the emotion uh that goes with it and i think the game misses that i think the game misses bareheaded players and barefaced goalies even as it's impossible and would be ridiculous for them to do it these days i just think that we lost something uh, uh, when that happened. Bruce McCurdy called to Focke at the Evans Journal, revealing he's an animal and wants to go back to the olden days when people were unprotected. Good job, Bruce. <laughs> You know, I wrote uh, articles when I was with the Copper and Blue. I wrote a lot of historical articles, and I wrote three on uh, Glenn Hall, Terry Sawchuk, and Jacques Plant, and all of them had some kind of reference to the maskless days. I had that famous Life magazine picture of Terry Sawchuck with yes. all the stitches painted in it at the great, same time. Great, the head of that, uh, ahead of that article. Of course, Jacques Plant, uh, I think the article was called The Man Who Changed the Face of Hockey and and really focused on his mask. And the one on Glenn Hall, who put one on very late in his career, as, uh, as your prior guest uh, mentioned. And his first game wearing the mask, he landed in a bad goal on the first shot, and then he went off on the referee and got kicked out. And that was the famous Robbie Irons game. Right. So Robbie Irons yeah. came in for three minutes while Jacques Plante descended from the press box to the dressing room, put on the pads, and came out and took his place. So uh, Jacques Plante was, uh, was uh, of course, Plante and Hall were this fabulous ancient goaltending duo for the St. Louis Blues then in the late 1960s. And so they all kind of had this this interlacing story and, and this whole aspect of, you know, the era where they were just changing into masks 
really had a, had its impact on each one of those uh, three stories, and I could have written more on Johnny Bauer or Gump Worthy articles that I never really got to, but uh, it was it was really part of of uh, what that era was about. You, you've sent our text line, and I'm sure Twitter, into a James Reimer tizzy. I want you to know that, McCurdy. You know, we're all sitting here mad as hell and happy about it, and now we're all excited about James Reimer coming here. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe Kenny should uh, should pick up the... I think there's a red phone in his office, isn't it, that connects right to Detroit's... Uh, yes. Uh, the corner office in Detroit. Huh? Well, Reimer's 34, though, so he's got to percolate a little more in the minors, doesn't he? <laughs> Same age Johnny Bauer was when he got called up from Springfield. 1958. Love it. McCurdy, you rock. Thank you. <laughs> great to talk to you. I'll have a great week. You too. Chris McCurdy, Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. You know, I think people, because McCurdy is an easygoing guy and he's a, he's a nice fellow, I think people don't realize what we just witnessed here. This is a guy who can rock from last night's game or tomorrow night's game to, you know, Johnny Bauer coming up from the Cleveland Barons at 34 or whatever it was. Uh, to save the Toronto Maple Leafs and send them into seventh heaven. And I think, what was it, four Stanleys? Not that he played in all of them because the Sawchuck was a part of the 67 run, but so was Bauer. And, um, and you, you know, you don't get that everywhere. McCurdy is like a, um, he's like a fine wine that you never open, but well, maybe you do. Um, but we appreciate him very much around here. And I think that we had, um, Rob Vanstone on earlier in the show and Rob's official title is Rough Riders Senior Journalist and Historian and I would just like to say that in a world that makes sense Bruce McCurdy would be the Edmonton Oilers Senior Journalist and Historian starting tomorrow this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440 it's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick Warren Zevon who wrote one of the great absolutely great hockey songs in history Do you, do you know? Do you know? No. What was you, it, Al? You don't know what the song is? I don't think so. I mean, maybe I do, but I, I probably don't know he wrote it. Otherwise, I would. It's called "Hit Somebody." Have you ever heard it? I mean, I'm just. I must have at some point, but I can't. Like, I can't recall it right now. Well, can I? Can I read you a little bit of the lyrics? Yeah, I would love that. All right. Here you go. Gotta find the best party. Okay. I was wondering, I was but, like, are these not PG enough for what's going Buddy's on? Buddy's real talent was beating people up. His heart wasn't in it, but the crowd ate it up. Through peewees and juniors, midgets and mites, he must have racked up more than 600 fights. A scout from the Flames came down from Saskatoon. Well, the geography's not quite there. Said there's always room for on our team for a goon. Son, we've always got room for a goon. It's really good. It's okay, so I like it. I'm going to yeah. bump it on the uh, car ride home later today. Well, I'm just saying... You know, you're going to learn stuff when you're hanging around me, man. It's the way I work. The lyrics were written by Mitch Album, by the way, who was a sports columnist. And David Letterman is yelling, hit somebody in the song's chorus. Stuff you learn. You know, this is a very cultured program. Oh, yeah. You know, we are we are the uh, museum, and I say that understanding my age, 
of of Edmonton sports. We are. There's know. nothing we can't handle or won't bring light to. Right. We're the we're the uh, either the lewd. We're the we're the. What are we? We do the Louvre, or we're maybe the maybe like the Met because we're a little janitorial subjective. closet. One of the two. Okay, you were a little harder on us there than I was. Well, I love the idea of giving Rhymer a chance. Okay, sure. And this comes from Saskatchewan. Also, years of poor drafting and showing up on the on ice product. I want to talk about that. May I? May I talk about that for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm permission gonna, granted. 2010, I I really thought was a great draft year. I I called Stu McGregor. Uh, magnificent bastard. And I felt badly because as it turned out, he wasn't, then it just became more and more of a, of an albatross for him and for me. But, um, the 2010 draft didn't work out, but they did get Tanner Hall. They got Pitlick and Marinson and Brandon Davidson, who I think would have saved that draft, but he got hurt and he only played 180 games. 2011 was a good draft. They picked up Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Oscar Kleppbaum and Tobias Reader. Now they didn't sign Tobias Reader, but that's not the scout's fault. 2011, I count as a very good draft. 2012 was wayward. They got Nile Yakupov, Jujar Kara, and Eric Gustafson. But the scouts got three players out of that draft. Now, Yakupov was a miss, but I'm based on information. I believe it was Mark Spector who wrote an article about it years later. Uh, I think the scouts didn't want Nile Yakupov. Kara and Gustafson have had careers. 2013, they pick up Darnell Nurse. And they didn't get much else, but Nurse was at number seven overall. He covers that bet, 570 games. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl in 2014, I'm sorry, but uh, there I am using I'm sorry wrong. I will tell you that no matter what else happened in that draft, and they only picked up William Laguson after that, Leon Dreisaitl is a win for the 2014 draft. In 2015, Peter Shirelli traded basically the heart of the draft away. But they got McDavid, but then they also got Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear, John Marino. And those cats don't play here now, but that's not the scouting uh, department's fault. They got three guys in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round who played National Hockey League. They're all over 200 games. 2016 was a wayward draft. Jessup Yarvi and then Benson Nimalainen and Vincent DeHarnay. Uh, it was all over the place. They did not have a good draft. 2017, Yamamoto, Skinner. Samarukov, I think that's a good draft. 2018, Bouchard and McLeod, a plus Kessel ring, I think that's a good draft. 2019, Broberg, Lavoie, and Blummel, we'll see. It's too early. Uh, 2020, Dylan Holloway is playing here. Carter Savoy, Tanner Tilio, uh, Maxim Bereskin still developing. And then 2021, Bergo, Munzenberger, Chase on Petrov looking good, Lachance and Warner. Those drafts are too soon to know. But, I think the big problem with the draft wasn't the scouting department. It was the GMs trading away all the picks. And that starts with the trade for Griffin Reinhardt, and it's bookended by whatever they did last year. Although I do think the Ekholm deal was a wonderful trade. We want Carter. He's better than any of the goalies Oilers have had since Cujo. Everybody forgets about Cam Talbot. He played really well. Talbot, you know, they out overplayed him. That was the problem. But he was uh, he was hell on wheels here. LT, Bruce is the best. No one sees the game like him. However, please use caution when questioning longer contracts like Hyman, Ekholm, and Kane. Yes, Campbell was a gamble. It didn't work out, but the other's putting him bums in seats. Well, those are long contracts, though. Let's wait to see how they turn out. Uh, HVAC Nick says Talbot is on fire in L.A. right now, too. I'm saying, you know, that's why I got a hair in my... 
I hate that. You okay? No, I got a hair in my mouth. You want me to come hit you on the back and make no, you like a newborn? No, I don't. It's mm. disgusting. I hope it was my hair. Damn it all. Check the clothes. Leave your hair over there. If it's got that silver fox tint to it, we'll all know. <laughs> um, don't you hate that when you get it? I don't like that. Mm. That's, that's not a fun sound to make. Well, I don't like it. So don't let that happen again, or you're, that's what you're going to get. What do you mean, don't let it happen again? Like, you talk like I contributed to that's it somehow. Did. And then I had to put my <laughs> put in your coffee. dirty fingers in my mouth, so I'm probably going to die now. Great. Um, what was I talking about? You don't know. No, 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 no. You were, well, Talbot is on yeah. fire right now in L.A. That's back. Um, that's why you don't give up on Stuart Skinner. Because sure as hell, it's going to be just like Devin Dubnik. I've seen this rodeo. And you can say, oh, he'll never be anything. You're wrong. Stuart Skinner was a Calder finalist. He will have an NHL career. It's important that the Oilers do not overreact here. I'm, I am telling you now. LT, it would sure be nice to have Wallstead in the minors right now instead of Bargo. I don't agree. Sorry. I, I think that... I think that argument is is one that people make. And if Borgo, if if Wallstead hits it big, then amen. And I don't I don't like the idea of trading down for a guy at seventy. I get that, but the idea that Wallstead was a sure thing, I don't think so. In fact, some of the numbers had the Oil King goalie going higher. When it comes down to breakdown by draft, it becomes clear Mac T did a better job as GM than Chia. He certainly did at the draft table. His two drafts were Darnell Nurse and Leon Dreisaitl. I'll give him credit. Tied Bennington has a 919 save percentage and a 255 goals against average. Top 25 in the league. Is that too good for St. Louis? Are they trying to lose? Coach Mike, I think he's a guy you try get, but how much do they want for him? What's in the water, low tide? I don't know. Skinner is not an NHL goalie. Okay. Great, thanks. I, I mean, he was a finalist for the Calder Trophy last year. He saved their season. He's not having a good start to this year. Goalies, that happens to them. Regress up and down like a bleeding yo-yo. Ask your wife if you have an off day. She'll tell you. Or in your case, your girlfriend. Loved the interview with Rob Vanstone. When I was a kid, uh, we made road hockey masks out of ice cream pail lids. Cut out eye and mouth holes, triangle for the nose, painted, decorated them. Could always tell who was road hockey goalie as their nose was always scraped up. Did you do this, LT? I did not. We, um, what did we use for, we might have used cardboard and, and some kind of, I don't know what we used. We weren't, you know, we weren't the brightest and we, we were limited in what we had. I mean, we could have gotten plastic from maybe those, like the big old Varsol, you know, plastic pails and stuff. Maybe that. Skinner needs a real goalie coach, not a high school teacher. Man, I'm telling you. When this town goes after a guy, they do it all in. I used to, I used to really respect the analytics folks because they'd always say, well, small sample size. But that always gets moved when they're making a point. You know, it's like when Ryan McLeod wasn't moved up. I mean, that would have been a good idea. But it, it is not, it's not the de facto truth that Ryan McLeod would have been better than Bugstad. 
you should try them there because the numbers were, but it was a small sample. We have to be, we have to be even handed with this. We have to be measured with our words. And if you're not, then I can't be serious about you because you're framing issues just like the media does. It's, it's like that who song, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. I basically have, have uh, distanced myself from the analytics community because of that. If you want to know what's happening on the ice, go to Puck IQ. That's the place you can find it. Puck IQ will give you your answers. They will tell you what's going on. They'll tell you how bad it is. Now, they don't have the 2023-24 season up yet. But let's just do this for fun from last year. This is defenseman against elite competition. Okay? So Darnell Nurse played 35%, which is a lot of his game, of time at 5-on-5 against elite competition. Very, very high number. He had a 56% goal share. And his dangerous Fenric Rell was plus two. Evan Bouchard played 20% of his time against elites. Far, basically, well, not quite half, but far less. And he had a dangerous Fenwick percentage of 6.5, much better. And he was 50%. CeCe did well in this category. And then when Ekholm came over, he did really well in this category. I mean, he was, he was lights out. He had the 6-2, 75% goal share against elites down the stretch at 5-on-5 five five during the regular season. That's where the info is. But I see people, I don't even get involved anymore. Because people, they, they've stopped talking about sample size when it favors them. So you end up with arguments that are, are, should be challenged, but aren't because everybody's talking to themselves. The analytics community, as far as I'm concerned, basically is, is just, it's like a dog chasing its tail now. Nobody talks about quality of competition. Nobody talks about sample size. It's all, I have one number. I was told at the beginning there would be no one number. No one number, does it? You've got to look at all the numbers. Okay, I did. And now we're back to one number. This is the number. It's like a religion. It's too bad because they're really smart people. It's like analytics zealots are like Martin Luther. Same thing. And maybe they're right, but do the work. Show us. Convince us. Please, go to Puck IQ. Start incorporating things like quality of competition. You'll get farther. Holy crap, Bruce McCurdy just texted me on a DM to say I was right. He had said that uh, Johnny Bauer got called up from Springfield and it was Cleveland. God, I, I don't know. I feel like having a beer and then another one. Do you know how rare it is that McCurdy got something incorrect and I got it right? Could you write a big number one on the wall for me, would you? You've been quiet today. Are you ill? No, no, I'm good. But I've said it before. This is, you know, this is the lowdown with low tide. This isn't the Declan and Al show with, with Alan Declan. So I so, I talk, uh, I speak when spoken to. I let back. I so you're back, with, let you do your thing. You're withholding yourself until you get... You know, somewhat equal billing. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> no, no, Jeez. no. Nothing like that. But this is a pitiful display of I'm power. Just, honest to God. I'm well aware of the the knowledge and the the what what's the word I'm looking for? The knowledge and the you know the time gap that's been that's put in between you and me and I'm happy to sit back and listen. Sure. 
for the mm. next few weeks. And then, yep. uh, by the way, we were talking about Colombo yesterday. Remember that? Uh, yeah. How could I forget? Paul Almeida, a friend of the show, says there is a Peter Falk statue as Colombo in Budapest. No. There's for, a Bill Clinton statue in Kosovo, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Not really related, but thought oh, I'd there throw you it go. Uh, what country is Budapest in? Do you know? Hungary. Nicely done. Yeah, but whoa, whoa, you and don't want You ca- said Mrs. Stenmark didn't teach you anything. Oh my goodness, you haven't got. I don't think you've got her name right once <laughs> since we brought it up. It was Miss Andrews, but uh, no, I've always been pretty okay with geography. So mm-hmm. yeah, that one was a layup for me. What What is Budapest known for? Uh, being the capital of Hungary. What's around it? What's What does it have a lot of? Are you setting me up? Like, no, not at all. Answer? It's water, but go ahead. No, I don't know. It's just a you know historical city that one time sat in the Ottoman Empire. And Thirty-three percent of the population of Hungary is in Budapest. Yeah, that, oh, I'm not surprised. That's a lot. It's I a think. desolate country. Well, now we're starting to put down countries. You know, I guess you're no, done I would with love people, and you're I going after go. countries. Now. I would love to go. Desolate. You know, they got nothing. Bunch of farmers. Good job. Good job, Declan. You know, it's a country. You know, there's people there. They care. Well, there's trades going on today. Minnesota has acquired Zach Bogosian in a seventh-round pick. For a seventh-round pick. Why are trades happening today? And why aren't the Oilers involved? Well, they knew the Oilers weren't playing today, and we ne- we needed something to talk about. So The Oilers did make their move, though. Calvin Pickard has been recalled from the Condors. Jack Campbell cleared waivers assigned to Bakersfield. Well, I wish Jack Campbell well. I hope he recovers and comes back here and wins Stanley with the Oilers. That would be a nice way for him to uh, you know, continue his Oilers career and for Ken Holland to end his Oilers career. American Thanksgiving trade deadline. Tyler Holloway and McLeod, the same player. Who's ceiling is higher, Coach Mike? Right now, I'd say McLeod's, uh, honestly. Uh, Holloway hasn't scored enough, guys. I, I you know... Uh, I know Tyler Wright liked him. I talked to him after the draft. He was high on him. He's big and he's fast, and I love that about him. But right now he looks like a third-round line guy. His outer marker is Ethan Morrow without the physicality. And I think McLeod is a higher ceiling. That's my opinion. All right, we'll take a break. One final, final, final segment. It'll be filled with your comments on the sports line at one 1440 This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Hanging out until 2 o'clock today. Jason Greger show on the way. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. 184th Street, Stony Plain Road. Getting some pushback from people about my opinion on... Ryan McLeod being superior as a young player and have a higher ceiling than Holloway. Uh, this comes in from Mark. McLeod just skates in a straight line really fast, does nothing with it. Well, here's the deal about Ryan McLeod. He doesn't play with Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid much, although he was on a line with McDavid today in practice. And he has uh, 20 NHL goals, 57 games a year ago, 11 goals, 23 points. Holloway just isn't there. And I know McLeod struggled this year, but he has a point. And Holloway does not. Dylan Holloway has played 62 NHL games. That's not quite a season, but it's on the way. And he has three goals. Man, you got to score just a little bit. And there's concern. there should be concern there. I miss Bruce. Anywhere I can hear the recording. Young man, 
Yes, the podcast will be out in in hopefully not too not to not too long time here. It'll be uh, out on Apple and Spotify wherever you get your podcasts. So make sure to look for it. Low Tide always retweets the tweet that go out. I with do. The podcast I link, do. So I love to. I want. Yes. I we we had really good numbers at the old station. I want to do better this time. I uh, want people listen to the podcast or listen live. We want to, you know, we want, we love the fact that we're here and I am working. I tell people, you got to listen. And then I, I call during the breaks. I'm calling them to make sure. Yes, absolutely. And I intimidate and I roar and I, what's that? Who did that roar song? Hear me roar. Oh, Katy Perry. Yeah. Okay. I'm Katy Perry during the breaks. Yeah, you are. Ty, did you give Declan hell? Because it reminds me of uh, Jay Woodcroft and Holloway. Allow these young men opportunities to make mistakes. I never, ever, ever tell him to turn his mic off. He's golden as far as I can see. Is Holloway trending in a Fogel-like fashion? Breakaways for days, but no Genos to show for it. Well, he's young, but I mean, it does feel like... Are we at war now with Hungary because of Declan? Well, I don't know yet. I mean, I'm still on the air, but that was a vicious shot. Bennington is a pissy brat. Wow. It seems harsh. Costin scored his first goal this season. More goals than our bottom six. Okay. Thanks for reading my text. I appreciate you. Well, isn't that nice? That's very kind of you. I've had bad days. I'm not reading that. Not funny. I told all my friends in 2012 the Oilers should have traded the first overall pick for a number one goalie or defense instead. Yak was no good. Yak didn't turn out the way you want him to. He was injured in junior halfway through his year, and I think that did impact him. And then he was he was taken out by a referee, and nobody ever talks about that. You know, one of the things that bugs me is that, you know, players come in, they're highly thought of, and they do reasonably well, and they're developing, and then they get hurt, i.e. Mark Pouliot. hate to bring that up again. And people forget about that. People really want to give up on Schwartz. When you put it that way, claims that the Oilers have de- have depth for all intents and purposes is fake news. Well, they don't have great depth. I don't think anybody's saying they do. They've got a great top line. They've got a good second line. They've got McLeod and Holloway for the third line. Or, yeah, or McLeod and Fogel maybe. And then they don't have a fourth line. And the third line isn't strong enough to be a third line in the National Hockey League. Who has more trade value between McLeod and Holloway? I would say definitely McLeod does. Holloway's not proven. McLeod's played two NHL seasons and moved the needle. What about Tommy Sallow? Well, he's too old. On what planet is Reimer available? Well, McCurdy was talking about it. Ask him. So from the uh, Stanley Cup parade route to draft lottery party planning. Wow, the mighty have fallen. Looks good on the old drops from Brad. Well, you know what? If if people who hate the Oilers are are you know trumpeting and dancing and trolling right now, there's not a lot Oilers fans can do. The organization has made it very difficult, I would say, uh, to be online and an Oilers fan. Not that that's the you know top priority. I get that. So now the Oilers have just started up the New Boys Club, bringing Connor's old agent back for Paul Coffey. This team is a joke. Holland's been a disaster. Jeff Jackson's position is awful. 
Terry in North Edmonton. Everyone's happy. That's all I care. I have other examples like Talbot, really good then, as good as unplayable. Skinner is regressed, whether we're playing him or not. Numbers aren't lying. You can't be a numbers guy and ignore them when they don't fit. I'm not ignoring them. I'm telling you that that sample size matters. And all of these terrible goaltending outings haven't about, really amount to very much. You know, let's take Stuart Skinner as an example. He's played seven games this year and has an 8.56 save percentage. That's not good. Last year he had 50 and had a 9.14 save percentage. Which save percentage do you believe is more reflective of the player? I know what you're going to say. I'm going to suggest to you that we should wait to see how this plays out. Hi, guys. I hate to do Ken Holland's job for free, but I will tell you, I would trade Jack Campbell in a first and a prospect to San Jose for Mackenzie Blackwood and Jan Ruta. It's interesting. I think I think that I think you'd have to add, like the prospect would have to be really good. My question about save percentage LT is what comes first? Too many greatest scoring chances or the bad save percentage, which is a result of which? Well, over time, you would believe that the go- the save the five on five even the five on five save percentage. I have been told, and I have adopted as being law, understood law, um, established law. The five on five save percentage is the purest form of goalie evaluation. That's my opinion. Not everybody shares it. So five on five save percentage is the one I go with. Maybe the Oilers are trying to outdo the St. Louis Blues during their cup year. Dead last, and then they won. Well, maybe. Hey, guys, who handles the goalies on the farm? Shankman, I've talked about this before. It's Sylvain Rodrigue, or uh, Olivier Rodrigue's dad. There was some talk about bringing them all up, both of them. When are we getting Sidney Crosby? Never. McCurdy was just testing out the theory that if you tell LT he's right, you'll read your message. Well played, Bruce. Lieutenant, I missed what Jeff Merrick said today. Could you repeat, please? Uh, I did not hear it, but it was reported that he said, what about Evan Bouchard for Carter Hart? And a lot of people are in love with that idea today. Because getting rid of someone on this roster brings great satisfaction. I would not do that deal. What I would do and what I would not do is not germane to the conversation, but since I'm in front of a microphone, I will tell you anyway. That's what I would do. What about goals above expected? Do you figure that's a worthwhile stat? It can be. Um, I, I, I prefer old school because what happens with a lot of new stats is they morph over a period of time. So I, until it's established and we know what we're doing and everybody agrees upon it, there are different metrics on different sites that I don't trust that. LT, the oil will figure it out regardless, win or lose. Yeah, they will, but who will be, you know, will McDavid and Dryside will be here when they do? 
The logic of not getting rid of Nurse's contract is the same logic of why this team is exactly where it is today. Overvalue players like Bouchard also. Hell, I could get points on Edmonton's power play. Darnell Nurse has a no move. Does people know that, right? Well, if they didn't, they do now. Yeah, there's a whole thing there where you can't. It's like I went into the management recently and I said, we got to get rid of Declan. And they said he has a no movement clause. And I said, what the hell? And then you hit them with the old nope. He has a no trade clause. He doesn't have no movement. He's going down to the minors. Well, I didn't say that, but I sure as hell thought it. Let yeah. me tell you. You're thinking it right now. I can tell. I wrote about the orders. Impossible, unthinkable idea that they would be in the draft lottery. And it's possible. I I mean, I'm not thrilled telling you that. And I know you're going to, you know, be mad at me, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's, people are mad. I get it. I know why. I get it. The lines. We'll do the lines and we're going to go, okay? McDavid with McLeod and Hyman. Dreisaitl with Holloway and Fogel. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because then you can go Nuge with Kane and Gagne and Hamlin with Lavoie and Ryan. Nurse CC Evan, Evan Bouchard with Ekholm, Kulak, DeHarnay, and then Skinner with Ludding, the e-bug from UBC. Good show today. I, you didn't talk as much. I, I hope I didn't hurt your feelings or anything. You're not mad at me. No, 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 um, no. Of course not. You know, course I mean, not. we all have off days. I was yeah, off my game today. Well, I, mean, I don't know. You did insult an entire nation. No, which, I would uh, love to go to Hungary. I'd go to Hungary tomorrow. Yeah, it's too late bought, now. You've already you know, buried those poor people. You know, they're out there doing their best, trying to get home over the bridges and walls and things. And here you are, millions of miles away, you know, casting aspersions. You must be so proud. All right. <laughs> That's the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Lowdown. Uh, on the way, Jason Greger, and it's time now for a sports update.